Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We've got Jason Theobald, IFBB Pro in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, doing good. Spent some time with the family today. Stopped working around uh, about 1.30. We went for a coffee, got in the uh, Porsche and drove around, and uh, then we got sushi. So kind of just needed some socializing. So it's been, been a good day. Yeah, we've all kind of been stuck in the house, so it's been good. We've been going like, like a lot of walks and stuff around the neighborhood. Gavin's been riding. We did that too, yep, yep. Yeah, just just getting out and getting around. So, uh, Jason, we got a special guest on the show, man. We've we had do. one guest on so far, Vince Pittstick, your, your business partner, talking about yep. gut health if you guys want to go back and listen. Um, but I knew, I knew I wanted to get John on the show with us. We both have a history um, with John, whether we've known him or, or done business with him. Um, when did you start finding out about the mountain dog, John Meadows? Me personally, I've known for a while uh, because I was working with Shelby on a prep and Shelby had just started working with John. And this was when John Jess was coming out with, you know, all this mountain dog stuff. So then after that junior nationals that year, it was like my first or second time doing a national show. I had John write my training for a year um, and he was just getting going. He was still at the bank. So um, I think this was around 2012 or 2013. So, but I, I've known John for years because I was a Beverly user being here in Kentucky. Um, and he, you know, I used to see his pictures in the magazine and they were quite impressive, uh, back then as well. So I've known, I've known John for years. Um, but that's when him and I worked together when he helped me with my training. Yeah, man. So John's, you know, I've, he's been part of the physique summit a couple times now, yes. multiple yeah. times, whether he was presenting or there on the Q and a panel, and uh, we all awarded him the very first Physique Summit Inspiration Award. And that, that was a fun moment. Cliff and I knew that John was, should be the very first person um, to kind of, you know, whenever we gave him that award, it was a big deal. I think we had like 150 people there. Yeah. But for him to be the first one, it, you know, Cliff and I talked and we said, this has got to be somebody that's moved the industry forward. Like he, not just, it doesn't matter, assisted, natural whether you compete or not, like you move physique enhancement forward. And John's been one of those guys. So it was cool. I got to get up there and try and read words sent in from Dr. Scott Stevenson. I was like, trying not to get choked up. Like it's all on YouTube. It, it was a great moment. Um, but you know, working with John with at the physique summit, he was one of our most popular guests. So, um, John, go ahead and, uh, say, Hey to the listeners, man, we're super excited to have you on the show. Well, it, well, listen, Hey, it uh, goes both ways, man. I'm excited to be here and, and you two gentlemen continue to do great things. So I'm just happy to be a part of it. Man, let, let everybody kind of know what all you're involved with, because, you know, we're going to do a Q&A today on, on physique enhancement. But Jason and I were talking, we'd love to do a business Q&A. You know, I think with all three of us being involved in so much different stuff in the industry, you know, I think you're the one of the great guests to have on the show when it comes from a for business perspective. Can I tell everybody what you're involved with? Because you've got a website, a supplement line, kind of let everybody know a little bit more about that. Well, you know, I've, I've seen some um, opportunities in the industry for guys like us to make a good living, to support our families. and. Um, I, I see when things kind of fade out and then I, I kind of get some ideas of things that I think might work well. And back in 2010, I started the first real bodybuilding member website and, um, nobody was really doing it at the time. There were a couple like research type 
websites, but um, Alan Aragon had his thing going, but there wasn't any real bodybuilding uh, type member website. So I started that and it did really well. Um, it started slowing down a couple of years ago and I could kind of see the industry moving from reading, um, you know, I, you can literally see people's attention spans are shortening up and I can see people really focused more on watching videos. So uh, when I saw this trend happening, I, um, I looked at YouTube. It's a tool that I had used, but I didn't really use it for business purposes. I had just created really short, and Jason can tell you, I, when I used to send programs out to people, I would include really short video links, like, mm -hmm. like 10 seconds, just so you could see yep. an exercise. And about three years ago, I saw everybody moving in mass to YouTube and I did some research and I could see like, you know, between the ages of 18 and uh, I wanted to say at the time it was like 50 more people were on YouTube than watching regular TV and it's continued to track that way. So I decided to do an all out press on my YouTube channel and really work hard on that. Um, it's a great tool. It allows us to really communicate to a broad audience. But in order to really hit that audience, you've got to really work hard. You've got to understand uh, the business side of YouTube, but, but you've got to work really hard. So, John, we spent the first 45 days, we did a video every single day for 45 days. And then we did five videos a week, which we continue to do now, three years later. So, you know, people see the YouTube where it's at now, three, I, don't, I don't know, 350 some thousand or something like that. Um, the watch time, I think it's up to 46 million minutes. But, um, you know, when we kicked that into gear three years ago, there was only 25,000 people and it took um, a grind and it continues to be that way. But it's just like anything else in my business history. It's just taken time, but but it continues to go up and go up and go up. And that's been like the real business business difference for me. It's been using that tool. I'm getting away more from the member side, getting more into the YouTube stuff. Um, you can just you can just uh, touch so many people's lives that way. You can get so much information out to so many different people. And um, you know, I continue to work with Granite Supplements uh, as an owner. It's um, the, the supplement business is um, it's a tough business. It's a much tougher business, um, but we we continue to work hard there. Um, we've had a, a we were having a really good year this year when the virus hit. We were on track to do the best we've ever done by far. In fact, in fact, January was the best month in our company's history. And so it's been a little bit of a, a kick in the butt there. We're down about 40% on sales in the last um, about four weeks. Uh, that's the numbers I'm seeing right now. Um, I'm sure it'll come back, but it's, it's tough. You know, anytime you've got a business that has operating expenses, when you have no revenue uh, to cover it or, or a lot less revenue, it's tough, right? So um, I continue to do that, and um, I, of course, I have the cell phone app out, which allows people for $30 a month to ask me as many questions as they want. I think Jason is uh, as a lawyer, and, you know, you could, you, it probably seems crazy to give somebody that amount of time for $30 <laughs> of your expertise. Um, but I do that, and, um, you know, I still coach people. I still got about 40 clients. You know, probably half compete and half don't. So I guess the summary, John, is I still got my hand in a lot of cookie jars. And, and you've got you've got boys playing sports, right? I mean, how busy is that keeping you? 
Yeah, they do. Uh, they do football, they do soccer, and they do basketball. And basketball had ended, and we were headed into soccer season, and uh, of course yeah. it, it got canceled. Um, but yeah, they're they're um, keeping me busy. I, I play basketball with them probably about I'd say probably about an hour a day now. That's typically what we do outside. Play basketball, we throw the football. Um, Alexander's uh, doing this, the yo-yo thing. I don't know if you've seen any of my videos, but I have him do little uh, little guest spots in there. And it's like a YouTube sensation right now. Everybody's talking about Alexander's yo-yo, and he's really, really good. Like his, I buy him coaching sessions with a guy named Gentry Stein, who is the, the world yo-yo champion. Uh, oh, wow. He lives out in California. So Alexander has 25, 30 tricks on a yo-yo that blow your mind when you watch him. <laughs> and he's going to Ruby's Cube contest. He's, oh, wow. he's working on it. He's got it down to about 30 seconds that you can solve Damn. a Ruby's Cube. Um, and they're doing really good in school. They both have straight A's. You know, every once in a while they might get a B, but they usually pretty much have A's. So, you know, just uh, plug it away. Yeah, 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 man. I, it, I mean, you know, I like to kind of paint the picture too before we get into everything. Just, just kind of how busy and successful you are. So, Jason, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Definitely. So, to kick this, kick this off, Jason and I kind of start every week with talking about something new, is something new that we've learned or something cool that's kind of happened to us for the week. Um, Jason, I don't know if you have anything we haven't really talked before the show or John, if you want to think, I'll go ahead and start this off. I've got a little short announcement. And then if, if you guys have anything new or cool that you want to throw in on your end, feel free. I'm going to go ahead and release the date for my resetting insulin sensitivity class. This is something that I gave at the physique summit last year. It's a complete protocol and I'm going to do that online and open that up to everybody. I'm going to have my email in the show notes. You can just email me at john at team gormannet you guys are going to find out about it here before it'll be on social. So um, hit me up for that. You guys have been bothering me, not bothering me, but like bugging me. Hey, when's the class? When's the class on insulin sensitivity? So I'm going to do that one in advanced keto. And that's going to be the first one is going to be the 18th of April at 11 a.m. So that's Saturday, April 18th at 11 a.m. I'm only going to allow like a handful of people in because I really want to spend time. It's going to be about two, two and a half hours long. So that's kind of something new I've been waiting on with, you know, Jason, you know what I'm working on and the other mm -hmm. business in the back end. I'm not ready to talk about that yet, but you know, that'll be ready in four weeks. So I've just been kind of waiting on these classes. You've been crushing it with your classes, by the way, probably, Definitely. probably the best class right now that I think people can get online is your, is your hormone class. Um, yep. You know, which is kind of, you know, once I saw you doing that and I thought, man, people are asking me for insulin sensitivity. I just need to go ahead and do it. So um, what's new with you, man? Anything new with you, Jason? You know what? Um, I think it's another standard week for me. Um, I'm really blessed that my business seems kind of pandemic, just, um, you know, proof, really. Um, I've signed new clients. Um, I've actually signed more than I've lost. Um, everything's clicking along really well, you know, how we position new ethics, um, you know, being the health side, it's, that's doing well. So, you know, it's kind of business as usual for me, to be honest with you. I haven't really had the downtime that some other people have. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed for that. Um, but my next hormone class uh, really is going on just because of demand. People didn't get in the other one. And I open it up to about 10 people at a time. This will be the fifth one. Um, I cover, you know, basically what happens when you've hit metabolic resistance and just feeding up on its own doesn't work. So I show you how to read the lab work. 
what supplements you need to kind of kick those functions in the ass to get them going as you feed up, as you rest, as you deal with cortisol and all the different things going on. So um, you can email me about that, jason at scoobyprep.com. If you want to get the brochure, I have a brochure up that explains everything about it. Uh, I have five slots left. I've already filled five in about the last day and a half. So um, they can get it on my IG too, if they want to get a little more info, but emailing me is always the easiest. So that's about where my week's been, man. I, I've really felt kind of fortunate with everything going on. So it's just kind of business as usual for me. Gotcha. John, what about you, man? Did you new, learn anything new this week or anything cool happened to you that you want to pass along to the listeners? Oh man, what have I done new this week? I've, um, I listened to two hours of the David Icke interview on London Real. I don't know if you guys know who that is. He's the, probably the most popular conspiracy theorist out there. <laughs> that was um, fascinating to listen to. Yesterday, yeah. I studied um, guns. I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos on different kinds of guns, Glocks, and things like that. I'm a man of many interests. <laughs> so, <laughs> you never know what I'm what I'm trying to learn, man. Um, I, I read. A, I, I listen to Yahoo Finance every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to understand i've done a little bit of investing in the last three or four weeks Me too, yep now the, the quarterly reports will be out next week and they'll be ugly there'll probably be some movement in the market but it's the i feel like it's the second quarterly reports that are going to be if things don't change we're going to see massive 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 issues and yes um and potential buying opportunities you know for people who have some money to put in the yep. market so, that's how i'm seeing it i agree you know, that, that kind of reminds me of something. And then we'll kick off the Q&A. Um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of coaches. There's so many coaches out there, and there's so many coaches that have had, you know, five clients for the last three years, and they're just not really making any headway because everyone's a coach, especially on social media. And, you know, as much as I hate to see someone lose business, I don't want that for anyone. I think this is going to kind of trim some of the dead leaves from the tree, so to speak. Um, because guys that have a good established business and you have a, a loyal clientele, like people like that, they're not going to struggle as much. They're going to continue to get clients and make money, kind of like you guys were mentioning earlier on the show. And like I said, I hate to see someone struggle, but it's kind of survival of the fittest. You know, when something like this hits, I, I've been waiting for a huge economic downturn. I just didn't know it was going to come from a fucking virus. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm really? saying? You know, I've, I've just been kind of waiting, watching, saving money because I'm paranoid like that. Yeah, um, me too. But I mean, would you guys agree with that? Do you think it's going to kind of trim some of the, some of the dead leaves of people that probably have just been dabbling and not doing a good job building a business? Well, you know, you hear these stories about people on Instagram, but they're sitting out in front of their Lamborghini uh, talking about how, how well they're doing. And then they have a GoFundMe page up due to the virus. <laughs> uh, makes you wonder, like, either they're spending a lot of money or maybe they were exaggerating their success a little bit. It, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an easy barrier to entry. So anybody can do the business, but to be in it a long time, it's not so easy. You know, no. we've all done it for many, many, many years. Um, you know, so anybody can get in and do it and anybody can project a certain image on Instagram or YouTube yeah. and make it look a certain way, but that doesn't mean they have a lot of business at all. So, you know, those people, you know, if they're barely getting by, then you know, they may not get by, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think a lot of people, they kind of, I mean, I hate to say this. I, I don't want to paint this broad stroke of generalization, but I think a lot of people are just lazy and they see 
getting into coaching as an easy way to just make a little money and have an easy life. Um, and, you know, you know, hey, whatever. I mean, that's what you choose, but I like to be a little bit more uh, methodical and plan a little bit better. And, you know, I, I never left the bank until I felt like I could comfortably yep. handle it. Jason was an attorney. Yep. I mean, he didn't yep. stop that. I mean, we, you try to plan this stuff out. You, you just try to make good decisions, right? You know, if you've got a family or somebody depending on you, then you really need to make good decisions. You know, if you're just single, whatever, you can be a little more reckless. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you got to put the work in, you got to build a business and that takes time. And if you're just, you just been kind of coasting along, taking money, which some coaches do without providing a lot of value. And, you know, I hope those guys are in trouble. Now there's another side of that. There's people who are, are doing their best. They're doing as much as they can. Maybe they haven't built up a clientele yet. It hurts them. And I, I wish those folks success. I hope they hang in there and we get through it. Um, what my clients are basically telling me is they there's no real change or it's a change in the way they train or it's it's hard for me to stay focused can we just back off a little bit on the updates until things clear up you know all three of those are scenarios i typically three or i typically see so you know we'll see guys yeah, yeah it's 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 interesting it's yeah interesting. you know i i think john it, it, it is going to trim some fat but i think also from people that are getting uh, laid off. Uh, think about all the personal trainers right now. Like some of them, if they're go-getters, they might completely reshape their business and get into coaching. So I don't know that we're going to see a ton of numbers leave because I think some people, you know, if you're a go-getter and you work harder during adversity, you might actually parlay that into something else right now because you can't do what was kind of just kind of letting you skate by. So it just depends on how people when I always get hit with adversity, I always kind of double down and work harder almost to the point where, you know, Steph said it told me recently, like I'm becoming a workaholic and I got to watch that. But some people obviously get crippled by the adversity too. And you know, it's just how different people deal with it. So I think some people who have lost their income and their go-getters might say, man, I've been wanting to do this coaching thing for a while. I might be good at it. I'm going to try to jump in and do it. Cause the reason my classes keep staying full is because a lot of people hit me up and they say, ah, oh, this is a good time for me to get educated. I've heard your hormone class is great. You know, what's the cost? Can I get in it? And so some people are doubling down. So I, you know, I think it could go either way. I do think we're going to trim some fat, but I think some other people are going to come in. So at the end, I think it's going to be kind of a zero sum game in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Cream, cream rises to the top. Like you'll see, you'll see the champions dig in and you'll see other people fall off. So, all right, guys, I got to kick this off the right way. Hold on just a second. All right. Got to open that can of monster and get some caffeine. caffeine in me. serious now. Yep. All, all right, right Don. If you don't know, that's my white trash energy drink that I like to drink on the show. So oh, I you, like it. you got me to drink one of them a couple of years ago. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, you were trying to get me to eat Krispy Kreme donuts. So it was a fair. That is true. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and get into these questions. Looks like we have eight, nine, ten good questions. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start from the top. This first one comes from Tyson Barnes. Tyson asks, do you believe adding bands makes a big difference in muscle growth versus hitting the, the lift traditionally? And how often do you recommend adding bands? So, John, this is a great question. A lot of people ask questions about bands. I thought this was the best one. You're kind of known as the guy to add bands and kind of specialize in this. Do you think there's a difference if someone adds them versus just hitting the lift traditionally when it comes to muscle growth? Well, I'll tell you, I made some mistakes with bands when I brought them to bodybuilding. You know, I, I learned them uh, from my powerlifting days where we used them 
for overspeed eccentrics to you know like to stop a movement to be able to re to re then turn the movement around and generate force the other way and we did a lot of things in powerlifting with bands but um, we weren't really using them at all in bodybuilding and when i brought them into bodybuilding i thought it's a great tool because um you have this thing that i think most of us know about um you know called the strength curve where there's just certain parts of a movement that are a little easier uh for instance the top of a squat versus certain parts of the movement that are a little tougher for example the bottom the bottom of the squat so if you set bands up in a certain way there are ways to kind of um, level that strength curve and the theory there is now you can provide a high level of tension from you know a to z through the whole range of motion which i thought in theory sounded great and it still sounds good but one of the things i found was that believe it or not it's actually easy to overdo the bands um, i started using them on leg presses pressing against the band because as you know when you do a leg press the top is pretty easy then if you're working against the band it makes the top just as hard as it is on the bottom mm -hmm. if you set them up correctly so you don't really have a point in the rep where you say oh this was easy you got to literally fight the whole time and in theory i thought man this is fantastic same thing for pressing movements and what i found was after six seven eight weeks of doing that in a row i started to have real joint issues um i think the overspeed eccentrics are what's so hard on your joints for example in the leg press example i gave when you have it locked out, the bands are at full tension, so they're pulling you down real hard. So when you lower it, they initially start, you know, yanking you down really hard. Um, if you just relax your legs, you know, you'll, you'll smash yourself. So um, through a lot of trial and error, I figured out, you know, these things are a great tool, but they can kind of wear your joints out, your, your elbows especially, from using them too much on pressing movements. So I came around to the philosophy that, you know, I think they're a great tool. I just think you need to be careful how often you use them. So, um, and honestly, like I'm using them so much now, I'm like, man, I hope I don't get, start getting achy joints, but I've never honestly just, just use bands like the way I'm now. And you normally it's just add them onto a piece of equipment, maybe do three sets with it. Now it's a ton of band work, but it's not on the machine. It's not on the leg press. It's, you know, it's, so I don't think I have, I'll have that issue now, but I think um, from my perspective, it's a great tool. Um, the bottom line with muscle growth is to create mechanical tension. And if you can create mechanical tension, then you, you're, you're setting yourself up to be able to grow. So it's a great tool, but I'd never forget my barbells, dumbbells, and machines. Like those should always be the foundation is what I would say. How often, um, so say if you're training chest, John, just you personally, um, and you're doing a chest workout how many of those exercises are you doing for chest and how many how many are you using a band with never more than one okay. so if i'm using bands like on a leg workout it'd be one exercise and, it, and there would need to be a reason for it and if i'm using them for chest you know for chest i might be thinking i need to train some explosiveness today i like to train explosively just to generate force quickly and um a band a banded chest press is a great way to teach yourself to create a lot of force real fast um so i might use it say that way or let's say i'm using um i don't really do barbell squats anymore but i use um i use a a spider bar uh or a chris stuffins bar the transformer bar i might do reverse band so i might hook it to the top of the squat rack and the reason why is because i got a pretty fragile lower back now so when you get to the bottom of the squat the bands are going to help you get out of the bottom and then once you get out of the bottom they don't really help you much 
So there just needs to be a reason. It's, you know, don't just do something to be doing it. Do it for a good reason. Sometimes bands will help you feel the contraction better if yeah. you're using them, particularly on chest movements. You'll feel a lockout, a tremendous amount of tension, a lockout, you know, where you're really pushing with all your force against the band. So, you know, you just need to have a plan on how you're going to use them. I, I generally use them probably once or twice a month for a body part. Like if I'm doing chest, maybe I'll use them twice a month for one exercise and then maybe the next week I'll do it again, then I won't do it anymore. So I still use them. It's just not like if I put up a band video, people used to say, Oh my God, use bands and everything. Well, no, I don't. I just have to put this video up. So. Yeah. So is there a particular set of bands that you like to recommend to people? I mean, there's it, people can get bands all over the place, but there's quality is a lot different in different manufacturers. Is there a set that you like to recommend? Well, there is, um, but they're sold out right now. <laughs> so um, Elite FTS has the best bands. You know, people all the time are like, well, you know, aren't you afraid you're going to snap them? I've been using Elite FTS bands for 10 years now, and I've never had one break in 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, great, great bands. You know, I, I, I hear these stories about bands breaking on people all the time, and I've never seen that happen with an Elite band ever. Never. Not one time. And you got to realize, man, we've used them doing heavy leg presses. We've deadlifted against them. We've, we've used the skinny ones to do all kinds of shoulder stuff. And we've used the thick ones. We've used the medium-sized ones, the skinny ones. We've used them all for years. So the Elite FTS ones are good. You know, they're, they just um, – <laughs> I put up a, a, some band videos two weeks ago, and they sold, they sold out. I got all my clients buying them, too. I put up a video when all this hit because that's what I bought. I bought the multi-pack. Yeah. And I put up a video too. So all my clients went and bought them too. Um, when I pretty much saw that the gyms were going to be closed. And so all of us were kind of putting things up to go grab them. So yeah, they got, uh, they got crushed out, but uh, I can, I can say what John's saying. I mean, that's the ones I've used since, you know, John had me uh, training with them back in 2010 and I've never snapped one. And, and I went back to them again and got another pack just for this uh, whole quarantine thing. Yeah. No, that's that's great. This next question comes from Megan McMillan. She asks, what's your preferred intra-workout mix composed of for both men and women, and how much water do you recommend during training? So, John, Jason and I did a whole podcast on nutrient timing. We went over our, our intra-workout protocol. So this is going to kind of be cool for the listeners to hear your take. What, what do you have in your intra-workout mix, and how much water do you recommend with that? Well, I um... – I do it a little differently now than I did eight years ago. What I did eight years ago worked really, really well, but the only problem was I had to use a lot of water with it. The mix I have now doesn't require as much water, so you don't have to drink two full liters of water. Um, but what I do now is basically a shaker, you know, 30 ounces of liquid, and I use uh, essential aminos. So that would be the branching aminos plus the other additional aminos um, that are essential that your body can make, and cluster dextrin. Um, for the most part. Um, so that's the mix I use. Um, I use a product called Recovery that Granite makes, and it also has sensorol in it, which is an ashwagandha extract I'm a big fan of. Uh, really, really good ingredient. And of course, electrolytes. So, uh, you know, so the basics would be aminos and carbs and electrolytes. And then you could tinker around, you know, like, you know, the, the pump stuff I usually use in a pre-workout, but if you wanted, you could mix in creatine or whatever you want. Creatine would be good because, you know, you guys mentioned insulin sensitivity. So obviously your insulin sensitivity is, is really good. 
when you're using mechanical tension against the muscle and also consuming carbohydrates. So that presents an opportunity to suck that stuff into your muscle cells. But that's pretty much what I use now, John. What do you like to recommend for amounts? For and, and I know that's hard because you might be working with a guy that weighs 275 in the off season and another guy may weigh 200 um, or a female that's a figure pro. Um, what do you typically kind of, if you could recommend an amount for people to start with, if they start working with you, where, where would you recommend the amount of carbs for somebody during training? Well, I'll start the aminos, you know, you, when you look at the BCA part of it, you know, you're probably going to want to be around six grams. And the reason why I say that's because you're going to need three grams of the leucine, generally speaking, to trigger, you know, muscle protein synthesis, the leucine trigger, they call it. And I, I like the two one one ratios. My doctor was the one who originally came up with those 25 years ago, or whatever. So, you know, for every every two grams of leucine, you use one gram of isoleucine and valine. So we use three of leucine, one and a half of isoleucine and uh, valine. So, you know, that's what would be in one scoop. Um, that does a pretty nice job. Then I have the additional essential aminos in there. Those you don't need mega doses of. You certainly don't need mega doses of tryptophan. You certainly don't want a bunch of methionine. Number one, it, it tastes kind of crappy, but there's actually some studies in rats that show it decreases lifespan. So you don't want to mega dose that. Histidine, you don't need a ton of once you're an adult. Um, basically, you know, basically you just need some of each in there. Phenylalanine, you need a little bit more, but just to make sure that your body's not robbing Peter to pay Paul, make sure that it does have some substrate to help you build muscle. Um, you know, guy, I might use a little bit more now, but you, you really don't need a lot more. Um, you've still got some aminos floating around your blood from your food, but I just find that if you can get a little bit to suck right in there from the, from the supplements, that's where you, that's where you see a huge difference in recovery. And then for the carbs, you know, Johnny could be anywhere from 20 grams up to a hundred. You know, if you've got guys that are taking a lot of insulin and things like that, you know, obviously you're going to gravitate toward the higher doses, but generally, you know, 20 grams for a woman, it might, it's probably the average dose. And you know, probably 30 is the average dose for a guy, you know, um, in that ballpark. And then obviously you can go up from there. But I, I don't think you need a ton of it unless you're using like a lot of insulin or something like that. And then that kind of changes the requirement. Um, but that's generally where I've, 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 I uh, have people start. Yeah, I know Jason and I were pretty close to that each uh, whenever we did that podcast. If you guys want to go back and listen to that more in detail. Um, but I know a lot of people wanted to hear your answer on that one. The next question comes from Justin Harold. He asks, what are your best, what are your two best tips for bringing up a lagging body part? My arms just seem like they never grow. So what are your two best tips for bringing up a lagging body part, John? Well, I mean, I'll tell you a couple of things that come to mind. Um, and then I'll tell you some things that, you know, oh, well, so let me just start here. So the first thing that comes to my mind is, is execution. It's how you're training. So if you have someone, I can't tell you how many people over the years have told me, well, I, I, my chest doesn't grow no matter what I do. So then I watch them train and they're pressing and they're caving their sternum in. You can just see literally the force going into their AC joint and their front delt. Um, you know, or they're doing, you know, a, a Smith machine incline where they lower the bar instead of on their upper chest to their lower chest. And you can literally see the internal rotation. They're like their internal rotators look like they're going to pop off their shoulders. 
Um, and then they always have shoulder problems. So a lot of the problems of what people don't have a body parts is because of execution. They're, if you can fix, you know, then, and then they want to increase the uh, frequency. Like, well, well, I hit it once a week. What if I hit it three times a week? Well, if you're doing it wrong, mm. three, four, five times a week is not going to help you. You just, you're just spinning your wheels. So the number one thing is you've got to understand when people ask me that their clients, I just say, send, tag me in an Instagram video. I, I need to see how you're doing them. So I like to see how their execution is first. And if you feel good that their execution is, is going well, and then you can look at the frequency. You can look at their exercise sequences. Are they using movements they really feel? Maybe it's a situation where like, like with, with back, a lot of guys can't feel their back. Maybe their form actually looks really good, but they just can't develop that mind-muscle connection. So, you know, you might want to have them slow down a little bit, um, you know, hold the flex position and really flex the muscle and do things like that. Maybe a little bit of the activation stuff to start with, but then it becomes more of let's develop that mind muscle connection. And that's something that as a bodybuilder, you never, you're never happy with it. You always want it to be better. Every time you train, like you, I'm sure Jason would, you, you guys would both agree yes. you get pissed off if you don't feel a muscle working. Yep. What's right. What's going on? So that's like a never-ending battle for us. We're always working on that mind-muscle connection, feeling movements work. And sometimes it changes. Sometimes you'll have a movement that feels awesome, and then all of a sudden it doesn't feel good, and something else feels good, you know? So um, those are a couple things that come to mind. Now, the other thing I would mention is people give up way too easy. And the best example of that is calves. You see yeah. people go in, they finish training their quads, a little bit of hams, and they throw in two sets of 10 on the calf raise. <laughs> And they're like, damn, man, my calves won't grow. <laughs> so I always tell them, okay, for your chest workout from now on, I want you to come in and put 135 on the bar, and I want you to do two sets of 10 with your chest. <laughs> That's going to be your chest workout. Report back to me in six weeks how, how much your chest is growing. So, you know, you get a lot of guys that just give up. They just, they just don't, um, they don't try different things. They yeah. don't try hard stretches, or they don't try – you know, maybe a drop set or, or, you know, because they read a study, the drop sets aren't, you know, aren't all that, or, or they won't try an incline because they read that, oh, it's all shoulder. It's not going to help my chest. Well, you know what? That all stuff all works together. Your chest, shoulders, all of it works together. So I think, um, I think people just give up too easy. They're afraid to try things. I'm a big, big, big believer in trying things and experimenting. I can't stand it when people say, well, I'm not going to try something until it's proven it works. Okay, well, you sit on your ass and you you do that. You just sit there and wait, but I'm going to be out trying different things, trying to learn different things. And listen, if I tried 10 different things and I know them doesn't work, at least I found one thing that does work. That's where the Meadows Road came from, you know, just experimenting, goofing off. So that's my thought. You, you know, you made a post, it was a few years ago, and it, it kind of stuck with me. And it makes sense because in the natural bodybuilding world, we have a lot of people that are quote unquote, um, no PubMed warriors, if, if, if you want to say that term nicely. But you said something about, you know, stop trying to over science your fucking physiques and make sure that you focus on intensity. Um, how, how much are you still seeing that today? And, and what can our listeners gain from that? Because all the research, like we're seeing so much research coming out and it's a great thing, by the way, you know, Brad Schoenfeld is a good friend of all of ours and, and Dr. Bill Campbell, these guys are putting out amazing stuff, but I see so many people getting so caught up in the fucking research and the science that they're lacking a lot of the fundamentals, but namely intensity. And whenever you said that, it was like, just, I was like, man, I'll never forget whenever he said that. 
Well, it's it's even worse now, in my opinion. Um, the research is is great. I keep up with it as well. Um, but I think it's even worse now. I think that people have this irrational fear of going to failure. Um, I can tell you that because of all the um, interaction I have on YouTube, both on, on my channels and other things I watch. There's a lot of people that preach never going to failure. And these, and here's what's ironic is they quote, you know, they're, they're evidence-based, but they say that progressive overload is the way to go. And so I ask them, okay, what's the goal of progressive overload? Well, you need to be adding weight to the bar and you need to be adding reps. Well, should it be hard? Well, yeah. Okay. Well then shouldn't you be at some point when you're adding reps, and adding weight, at least coming close to failure then logically? Well, and then they're stumped. Like if, listen, the, here's the bottom line. You have to present a stimulus to your body that it hasn't had to deal with before. That's the whole point of making your body create an adaptation, you know, a thicker muscle fiber um, being one of the adaptations. So if you don't push your body to do something different, uh, to go harder, then your model falls apart. Um, it, it doesn't work. So in, in my opinion, that's the beauty of intelligently doing work that's high intensity that it's built in the progressive overload is built in because you're and listen if you do if you can do an exercise let's say you do a dumbbell press and let's say you can do 80 pounds for 10 reps and then you can't do an 11th rep well if you do 10 reps what more could you have done and that's what i tell people i don't need to write down that i did 80 pounds in a book in a log book i know that i could do i know that i could do 10 and i couldn't do 11 so what's the log book going to tell me so to me it's more about intensity and using it wisely so then you get into well how do you do it wisely and that's where you got to look at the exercise if it's a compound exercise like a squat do you want to take a squat to complete failure of course not unless you want to injure yourself do you want to take a leg extension to complete failure yeah you might want to do that you might want to do a couple sets and you might want to go to failure and then you talk about the kind of the beyond failure techniques well, you know let's say you do let's say you do a, you know a drop set think about ways you can do it safely you know if you're on a chest press machine where you pull the pin out you lower the weight do some more pull that's a very safe way to do it but let's say you're doing the dumbbell press so you set the dumbbells down you get up you go walk down the rack you get another pair of dumbbells you sit down you just wear yourself out from getting set up so it's probably not the best choice so i think if you look at the exercise you're doing that gives you a clue into how hard you should train and just for a general just generally speaking, I like to take the compound move movements to where I got maybe one rep left in me. And then right around there, I think if you've done that, you're good. You know, you're probably at 85 plus percent of your one rep max, which is going to give you full activation. And then when you, you know, get into other movements past that, um, you know, where you're doing working more for a uh, little bit higher reps on different types of equipment. Now you can start doing a set of each exercise to failure, maybe beyond failure. So, and I just don't see people doing, doing that now. Um, they're just, they're so scared. They're going to do too much. And I, I honestly don't see any, you know, back when the gyms were still open, I didn't see anybody overtraining. <laughs> That's not something <laughs> I saw. I, I know Me personally with, with my clients, I, I push the fuck out of them. And then if they need it, I deload them. Like that's the thing, like their intensity is through the roof, but you know, for a couple of weeks, I'll overreach them on purpose and then I'll do a deload with them. You know, if it applies, but so many people, you're right. They're, they're talking about don't train to failure. Don't train to failure. 
but fuck, I mean, good luck building a, a, a good physique, you know, especially we talk about the natural versus assisted side of this. There's just that point where you have to at least push to the overreaching side of things. Would you guys both agree with that? Well, listen, who, who builds muscle easier? Someone who's enhanced or someone who's natural? It's, a, it's of course, someone who's enhanced. So you tell me that a natural can't train as hard or shouldn't train as hard? Like, they're already at a disadvantage. Now, if you tell a natural, well, no, no, you can't train as hard, you're setting them up for failure. Right. The natural has to train hard. It's even harder for them. It just becomes a matter of managing their volume so they can recover. But they still have to have those really hard sets. You know, if anybody can get away with not training hard, it's the drug guys. Right. They're the ones who can get away with it. The naturals can't get away with it. You, You can't get around it. Jason, you got anything to add to that, man? Well, I mean, you know, hearing John talk, I mean, it's, it's everything I do in the gym. And I mean, it, it, it makes sense that, you know, I mean, I trained with him for a year and I mean, there was tons of notes in his plans about digging in and, you know, here's where you got to feel it. And, you know, my biggest thing was chest, um, was always tough. Um, but everything he was saying is what I had to do. I even had to start back over with really light weight and just throw my ego out. I mean, I'm talking 25s on, on, on hammer equipment and just make myself feel it flex and only flex first and do all these things. And now I'm back up to, you know, three wheels on there, which, you know, is nothing impressive to a lot of people, but I can feel every fiber from rep one and my chest is coming up really well now. Um, but yeah, you know, everything that John's talking about, it, it's, it's interesting, but that's literally how I, how I train these days for the last, you know, six, seven years really took off the last four it's taken me a while just even after training under him to kind of put it all together. But um, it's all about the intensity. I mean, you've, you know, you've trained with me. I'm not the strongest guy in the gym, but I feel it from rep one and I'm grimacing and I'm really into the rep and uh, you know, to bring something up, you've got to find that intensity, but the execution of it has to be right. And you might have to pull weight back because I had to, because chest was my one thing where my delts took over. I have really big delts. And, um, I, I had to just basically throw my ego completely out and slow my reps way down. I'm talking like three, three, three type tempos and just, um, start all the way over and make sure the muscle was firing first. It, it took a lot of rewiring, um, f- for me to get my chest right. Yeah, for sure. The, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing along here, guys. We've got five or six more questions. I want to try and make sure we get this all done in time. Um, so I probably won't chime in a lot from here on out. Cause I just like to talk, talk, talk. The next, uh, yes, do you consider muscles being worked indirectly to be part of that muscle's volume for the week? For example, when I do the bench press and my triceps are getting work indirectly. John, how do you, how do you kind of play that into your plans and, and whenever you help people? Do you consider that part of the volume? Is that something you take into consideration when you help people? I take it into consideration, but I don't, but I don't count it as a set. So in other words, if I do... 12 sets for chest. And then I'm doing triceps right afterwards. I, in my mind, think, okay, I've already got a little tricep work in, so maybe I need to do eight sets now instead of 12. But I won't go, well, I did 12 sets for chest, and since I was using my triceps on that, I've also done 12 sets for triceps as well. So, no. Do you, do you like to pair up, um, like, pushing movements, so chest and triceps together, or – or back and biceps, or would you ever help someone train like chest and biceps, for example? I like, honestly, John, I like to mix it all up, man. Sometimes I love to do push pull leg splits. Sometimes I love to do um, random like back and triceps. You know, you could finish your back 
uh, with a pullover and it kind of sets up your triceps to work or you could do back and then finish you know finish with a deadlift and then go into a hamstring movement because they pair well together i like to just be creative man i like to do all kinds of stuff yeah i don't i don't think there's any one wrong way um I think it's interesting, especially if, you know, for newer people, do you think that they should stick or should they just experiment? Do they th you think they should kind of put them together or should they just experiment and see what they like? For a new person, I, what I like to do is I like to do them whole body. I like for them to do whole body training three days a week. So, you know, like one movement, a body part. And I like to change those movements. Some of them on Monday, a different set on Wednesday, a different set on Friday but then stay with the movements so they can learn them so they can learn, you know, how to do them correctly. I think for someone who's a beginner, the, the three things you really got to focus on is mind muscle, which Jason was talking about, um, correct form, which we all talked about. And the third one is just, it's just progressive overload. It's just getting stronger and they'll, they'll get stronger just from, just from the neurolog the neuro neurological part of it. They're, they'll just be able to connect with their muscles better. So I like, I like to actually do much less volume, John, with beginners, and I like to keep the exercises. I don't rotate them out like I would with an advanced person. And, um, you know, then as they move up to the intermediate stage, then, you know, I like to kind of keep some base movement still in, but maybe do a little bit more rotation on the back end. And then they get to the advanced stage, it's, it becomes a lot more rotation because their body adapts so quickly to what you're throwing at them. So if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. We've got a lot of coaches and trainers that listen to the show. So I know they're soaking all this stuff up because they, they've got a lot of newbies. They've got a lot of beginners. So um, the next question is from John from Springfield, Missouri. Cough, cough, in case you guys can't figure out who that is. <laughs> Who's the smartest bodybuilder in the industry? So think about that, John. Who's the smartest bodybuilder in bodybuilding or just in the fitness industry? Well, when I hear smart, I think of book smarts, and I think of um, instinct smart and book smart. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody smarter than Scott Stevenson. Um, very, very, very sharp guy. He, Scotty has forgotten more than I'll ever know. Super, super sharp guy. Um, Brad Schoenfeld, you mentioned his name. Uh, Brad competed. I consider him um, a, a, certainly, even though he's more on the research end now, he's one of us at heart. Very, very smart guy. Um, also, those are two guys I have tremendous. I have tremendous respect for a lot of people. Those are just two that kind of jump out at me. Um, yeah. Instinct wise, you know, it, it's a little, it's a little different. Instinct wise, like I always considered myself to be one of those guys. It's um, you just you like like exercise orders, for example. Um, you're not going to walk into a gym and do a heavy hack squat as your first exercise. It's just probably not going to feel good on your knees. Now, what about like, like the leg curls before squats, you know, some of those sequences, Jason, you know, I like them. Some of those yep. sequences can really help you feel movements and you can just do a lot better. There's, you can't learn that in a book. Um, there's certain ways to train where you're not going to injure yourself. Like, for example, putting a line tricep extension last in your tricep workout instead of doing it first. You're not going to read that in any textbook, but probably all three of us know that if you go in there and you're doing your triceps and you start off with heavy skull crushers, you're asking for elbow trouble. You're asking for it. 
So I think when you get guys that have that instinct and that experience, that's a different kind of smart. And, you know, that's where guys, honestly, like you and me that have been doing this for a long, long time, um, you know, that's where, you know, we, where we are. But, you know, if I, the first name to jump into my mind, though, was Scott, for sure. You know, it's, I'm going to go ahead and give everybody a little teaser here. Jason, I don't even know if I've told you this yet. I think I might have. We talked quite a bit off the air, but um, the Physique Summit next year is going to be in Tampa. I've already got it set, so we're moving it from St. Louis. And Scott Stevenson, Dr. Scott Stevenson, if you guys want to look him up, he's committed to be one of our speakers. So I'm oh, super no, excited. Yeah. I know people are geeking out. They're like, fuck, no way. So uh, we it's right there in his hometown. I mean, he lives in Tampa. So that's that's going to be fun. I'm super excited. That'll, that'll be his first time being part of the, uh, the Physique Summit. So you guys can keep an eye out for that. I want to keep this rolling along here. Um, another training question. This comes from Caitlin Kowalski. If Wonder Woman had her lasso of truth wrapped around you and you had to oh, answer no. this honestly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like you can't lie, John. There's truth serum or the lasso of truth around you. You can't lie. If you could only train one way for muscle growth, would you pick heavy reps with strict form or moderate to high reps focusing on time under tension, the squeeze, and more of like a lactic acid buildup? If you could had to grow right now for the next year, Answering honestly, which one would you pick? <laughs> it depends on if I'm my current age or if I'm 24 years old. <laughs> no, right now. Right now. <laughs> right now, I would take option number two. Yeah. If I was younger, I'd probably take option number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about that because we've got people on both ends of it. Um, do you think one has an advantage over the other when it comes to muscle growth? I mean, obviously, I think we would all answer that we need to mix it all in. But yeah. do you think heavy reps with strict form has an advantage when you're younger over um, focusing on the squeeze and lactic acid buildup? Well, I mean, I think that where older guys get into trouble is so the, the progressive overload stuff is fantastic. But let's be realistic here. You're not going to keep increasing your bench press <laughs> reps forever yep. it ain't going to happen no it's not and that's where option number two is really good because yeah. you can continue to grow through other means so you know as you get older um and as you get closer to your strength potential you have to do more of option number two or you're going to get hurt plain and simple i don't know too many guys that have been training for over 30 years i know a ton of guys that have been training for five years you know, that number gets smaller and smaller as people tear yeah. their shoulders up, they tear their backs up, they tear their knees up, their elbows, everything. So as you get older, that heavy weight, man, you you know, and when you say heavy, so heavy is a relative term. I mean, like doing heavy sets of three, four and five. Like if you're doing a heavy set of eight to 10, heavy to me means just heavy just means you're going closer to failure. Yeah. And if you're doing 15 reps and you hit failure, if you're doing 10 reps and you hit failure, I don't really think there's much of a difference for muscle gain. I just think like if you do five reps to failure versus 15, now you, now you're going to sacrifice a little stress on the connective tissue. Yep. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. John, I would take number two as well. And I mean, I'm 42, but you know, um, in the last four or five years, I've kind of just gravitated towards number two. And, you know, we've talked about how my physique's taken off in the last, you know, few years. And um, maybe it's because my muscle, my muscle connection was just always shitty or I wasn't able to get as much intensity when I was worried about just getting a heavy weight from A to B. But 
um, putting more focus for me on two has really pushed my physique to another level. But like John said, I still go heavy. Like my first set, I might fail at 20 reps, but they're all, they hurt from, from rep one and I finally get to failure. Um, and then I adjust as my body feels for that day, but you know, I'm not doing anything in three to six range much. Um, sometimes because I, I just don't gauge things right. I might be around six, but, um, I would take option two as well. Um, and I, and when I used to do option one, I just didn't grow as well. I, I probably was doing something wrong. You know, if I could go back, uh, and, and be better, <laughs> I would, but I can't. So, uh, two for me would be the answer. Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, your, your physique has grown leaps and bounds since 2016 when you won your pro card. So it's, it's definitely, definitely something people need to think about both ends of it. Um, John, I'm going to keep the training questions coming. This one comes from Mac Sims. I heard that you designed some awesome training plans. How do I know which ones are for me and what's the latest one that you've made or where do I find them? So John, you're well known for creating these pretty pretty crazy training programs. Do you have some of those still available? How can people get a hold of you or, or where can they find those? You know, I, I'll give you a little history here. When I started working with Jason and these other guys back in 2010, I used to write them all down during the week and then email them out on Sundays yep. from home yep. um, one week at a time. And I worked all weekend doing that all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. And, um, it was great. It was great. I'll never forget it. Um, I've got, I've built probably around 40 programs. I don't know how many are on my website, probably 25 or 30. Um, they're all pretty advanced. Now on my website under the training programs, you'll see a little chart that says, you know, if you have four days a week, you can train, or if you want to train six days a week, or if you prefer push pull or if you pull higher, if you prefer higher volume, lower volume. So there are some options on there. Now, one of the things that, you know, you guys mentioned that during this uh, quarantine, you know, how you're working. So I want to share one of the things I've been doing with you. I was thinking about, you know what I've never done? I've never created a program for beginners or really intermediates, a really good one. So I thought I would take this time um, to do that. So I'm working on a beginner program. I'm about 80% done. And I'm and then I'm going to follow it up with an intermediate program as well. So I don't really have anything on my website for beginners or early intermediates. It's more for people that have been training for a long time, but that stuff's coming. And it was kind of interesting because it just kind of took me back. And, it, and I, mean, I really thought about, well, I thought about like, how do, how would I train the beginner? Like, what would I do? Yeah. You know, uh, what is a beginner? What, so it was really, it was a really cool exercise for me. It took me back when I was, you know, training people at world gym in my early twenties that were beginners. So that'll be, so whenever this quarantine ends, I'm going to have advanced, uh, certain, I got another advanced program that's ready. Um, I had actually launched it and then we went on quarantine. So I never advertised it anymore. I thought that'd be pretty stupid. So, um, it's actually on my website. It's called the grandmaster, but I just never, um, advertise it and then I, so i'm going to have a beginner intermediate and advanced stuff as soon as this quarantine's out because you know a lot of people are going to be excited to get back to the gym to get to work there's probably some people who maybe are going to be a little more conscious about their health now and being healthier so there's going to be a lot there's going to be a lot of people looking for good training so i've been kind of taking this quarantine to build all that stuff as well 
Yeah, I'm, it's mountaindogdiet.com if you guys want to check it out. I'm going to have it in the show notes as well if you want to click on that after the show. Just click on training programs, and you'll see some cool shit like John just mentioned the Grandmaster, Odin Force, Project Colossus, Creeping Death, Doomsday, Carnage. There's all kinds of good pro, uh, programs on here, so you guys can check that out. Um, pretty cool names, man, I, which, which I love because you kind of make that part of who you are. Um, I think that's just kind of cool. I, uh, I wanted to interject something there when, when we were talking about, you know, training a beginner and, and what would you do? You know, for me, I started lifting in college uh, as a need because soccer, I just wasn't big enough. And, and, and the strength coach for football team taught us. And it was more about just moving the weight from A to B and, and being strong and, you know, just getting stronger. And I guess that's one way to go about teaching a newbie, but I really wish someone would have sat me down and said, look, just because this is a chest press doesn't mean you're going to feel the chest. You've got to angle it right. You've got to set the seat right. You might have to lean forward. You might have to lean back. And I don't care about how much weight's on there. I want you to feel that muscle work. And I think if someone would explain that to me earlier on, I probably would have grown a lot better earlier on. And I, I know there's probably some guys who sit down and really figure that out right away, but I really didn't right away. You know, I figured, well, it's a chest press. It's going to make my chest work. I just have to get this, this lever from A to B or, you know, it's a dumbbell if I'm, I'm flat. So if I press it up, it's going to hit my chest, but your where you put your elbows, how far out, how far in, whether you, you know, just all these different cues. I wish I just would have had more of that from the get go. Um, as a beginner, you know, and if I had a beginner who came up to me and said, I want to train with you, there's so many cues and different things that I would give them that I think would speed them past what, what I was given. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've thought about that myself, John. I think that's pretty cool what you're doing. So, well, I have a, I have a series on YouTube that I had started and it was 21 reasons why your X won't grow, your back won't grow, your calves, whatever. And it was all those little things yeah. that Jason's mentioning. It was, you know, if you're doing a row, what do you do with your sternum? What do you do with yeah. your elbows? It's yeah. all those little tips that you're right. If somebody would have taught you that from the beginning, yep, it would help. And to your point, Jason, in my beginner program, I, I listed all those videos. Watch these videos before you <laughs> yeah. do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good. Uh, it's really cool. I mean, if someone really buys in, it's going to make them a much better bodybuilder much quicker than I did. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay, so we've got two questions left. Um, the next one comes from Diana Gear. She's going to have a little fun with you here for a second, John. We all know Diana, great athlete. Diana says, what's the best way to use supersets to optimize your training? I'm old like you, but I like to push. Hashtag old man cranky. I may have talked her into calling you old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the, the funny thing is, you know, Diana's the great athlete into her 50s. Just kind of, she's a client of mine, sits at standards for a lot of my clients, but I said, hey, you got to call John old. Let's let's have some fun with him on the show. So what do you oh, think, John? Well, I'm going to be 48 on Saturday. So Nice. Um, well, you kind of started the hashtag old man cranking. Um, I did. Movement. I need to get back to it. <laughs> I need to get back to that. I know. I mean, supersets is, is um, it's a nice way to train and get a lot of blood into the muscle and fatigue the fibers without crushing your connective tissue, potentially. So you're just doing a lot of work in a short amount of time. Um, you know, I, if I'm going to do a superset, what I would normally do if it was for chest, legs, or back, 
is I would do a couple of the base exercises first, and then I would do the supersets. If it's arms, I might just do all supersets. Um, it's just another tool. It's just another way to fatigue the muscle fibers. At the end of the day, you just need to fatigue the muscle fibers. You need to load them and fatigue them. Whether you do that with a superset or a set of 15 or 10 to failure, then 10 more partials, doesn't really matter. It's just fatiguing the muscle fibers. Um, and that's one tool. That's just one way to do it. Can you uh, give somebody, so give somebody an example of your favorite superset. If, if you were going to train in the gym today and you're well, going to just pick your favorite thing, what would it be? So normally what I want to do is I want the exercises to be complementary too. So like, for example, if you supersetted um, a back squat and a front squat, yeah, I mean, are they different? Yeah, they're a little bit different, but I'd rather someone superset like a leg extension with a squat. You know, the leg extensions, a lot more rectus femoris, a little different muscle, whereas the squats are probably more vastus lateralis and vastus medialis. And depending on your stance, maybe even a little more adductor. Actually, depending on how deep you go, maybe some more adductor. You know, if it's triceps, it might be a push down that's maybe geared more toward the lateral head into an exercise where you're really stretching the long head. So I try to use uh, it's exercises that complement each other and you don't, it's not redundant is my point. You're not, if you're going to do something redundant, then just do a drop set, just lower the weight and keep going. There's no sense in changing exercises. And, um, and it was on my end, John, I've got a follow-up question. You may have, you may have said it earlier, but it, on my end, I was cutting out. We're fine. But if, if you already answered it, then that's fine. How often do you recommend people do supersets? Do you think there's a limit to how often they do that? What's that's kind of the follow-up question that that was asked here. Uh, I mean, you could do a whole workout if you want. All supersets. I, I did one today. Um, the band one I did um, on YouTube. I mean, but you don't want to do this. You don't want to always do that because now you're in a situation where you're not resting, so you're a little more fatigued. You're you've got um but you're not recuperated to do more weight so yep, yep. Yeah, so, so i wouldn't i wouldn't do the whole workout that way that's why i said i would rather see somebody do their base movements where they're taking their time and using good form and doing hard sets of eight or ten first and then do the superset so you know if you want to pick two exercises and do four sets that's what i would typically do john so it, it would basically be one pair of exercises for four sets is what I would generally do um, if I'm going to add it into the workout. Uh, that's great stuff. I know our listeners are loving, loving your take on all this stuff. There's been a lot of good training questions here on the show. Um, and we're about to get to our last one and what I think is the best question. But before we do that, Jason, I do want to let our listeners know we're at 275 reviews. We're up like 35 reviews in a week. So you guys are yes. crushing it. Thank you so much. This would be a great time to hit pause. Leave us a review. We really, really appreciate that. We're only like 19 episodes in. You guys are leaving a ton of reviews. And next week, we announce the winner that gets the free year to prep with me. Um, I'm super, super excited about that. So that will be on next week's show. I forgot to say that in the beginning, so I need to go ahead and plug it in now. Um, so what I need you guys to do is screenshot your review that you leave. And make sure you message it to me on Instagram and tell me you want in the drawing. I, I've got like 50 people in there right now. It's, it's been great. So thank wow. you guys, Jason and myself. You guys are really crushing it. All right, John, let's get back to this. Um, the very last question comes again from this John from Springfield, Missouri guy. He's kind of a, kind of a bother here. He wants to know, 
How bad did you cry in Avengers Endgame? And what's the number one thing that you wanted to see happen in the movie that didn't happen? Okay. So first of all, you got to think I'm a sensitive, evil dude. I didn't cry. What? Iron Man was like not one of my favorite characters. He's a cool dude. I like him. I didn't cry a lick. Um, now, I I cry. I'll tell you when I cry when I watch movies is when animals get hurt. Like yeah, if I'm me watching too. a movie and an animal gets hurt, I'll be like, okay, I'm starting to cry. I, I got <laughs> to turn yeah. the camera. <laughs> um, but in terms of the movie, movie, I really liked the one before that. Um, Infinity War. I really right. liked that one. I I liked the last one, but the one before it, I thought was way better. So, well, well, let me let me ask you a crying question then on that one. Did you cry at the end when Peter Parker was disintegrating and he was scared? Did that get you? No, not a lick. Damn, John! Like I would have pegged you as the guy that cried in both these movies. Like no offense <laughs> or anything. I mean. I, listen, I got choked up, and I'm not a super emotional guy, so I, I, I thought, yeah, okay. I thought I, I'm that would have got Just so you guys can laugh at me. I'm not afraid to have people <laughs> laugh at me. So I'm going to tell you the last time I cried really hard during a movie. I was coming back from Australia, chilling out in business class, watching movies, mm-hmm. and um, A Star is Born came on. Mm-hmm. Now, I was crying so much, like all the people sitting around me were looking at me like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and then like 10 minutes later, they were all watching it. <laughs> they were like, Man, I got to see what movie they can see cry. <laughs> I was crying like a baby from that movie, man. Yeah, speaking of animals, Marley and me got me. Like after you watch that whole movie and then the end, you're like, yep. geez, gosh, killing me. Oh, that's hardcore. I, yeah. I agree with you. I agree oh, with you. man, that was a rough one. Jason, did, did you get choked up in the uh, Avengers Endgame movie at all? No, I don't really am not going to get choked up over people generally in a movie. It's really pretty hard for me. <laughs> but you you heard an animal or, you know, let me get connected with an animal character the whole movie and then something bad happens. I'm, I'm holding it back pretty hard. Maybe I just need to take an anti-estrogen or something because I was freaking <laughs> crying to both those motherfuckers. I was like, oh, nobody looked at me in the movie. <laughs> um John, what, what was the number one thing that you wanted to see happen in, in either one of those in, in game, you know, both the, the last Avengers movies, what's the number one thing that you wanted to see happen that didn't happen? Well, I was a big fan. I mean, I had the books, I had the graphic novels um, many, many years before any of this was ever a storyline. And I was always saying, God, I wish we had two movies. I wanted a Galactus movie. Um, which I've never got the the pathetic attempt at the Fantastic Four with Galactus was was pathetic. Yeah. I wanted to see a movie where you saw what happened to Galen Ta on his planet, where the radiation was coming to kill the planet. Him and his buddies got in a spaceship. They flew into the radiation. Then he wakes up years later in space, and he's Galactus. And then he comes to Earth, and he well, he goes to. Uh, he goes to uh, Norinrad, you know, the Silver Surfer's planet, and, you know, Silver Surfer as well. Spare my, spare my planet, and I'll be your, uh, be your herald. Um, I think that would be phenomenal if they just did it right. Um, they just need to do it right. And then the other thing I always wanted was a Thanos movie. So I knew the Thanos storyline pretty well. And there has been – I've got Thanos' first appearance in the Thor comic. Um, 
so I've always been a real big Thanos fan. I've got some Avengers comics that are real old with him in it as well. But so I was looking at it from the history perspective and he, the part that disappointed me was there was a guy in it. Um, oh, uh, Warlock was a big part of that story. Yeah. And um, Warlock wasn't in it. We saw a reference to a Warlock in one of the movies where the collector, I think had, um, the collector, by the way, the collector and the grandmaster. So the collector, um, who was played by Benicio del Toro, and the grandmaster, which was played by Jeff Goldblum, those two were gods. Those two were very, very powerful in the comics. But anyways, I wanted to see Warlock, and there was really no Warlock involvement at all. And he was very powerful. His particularly his ability, I think, was the was it the mind gem? The mind gem he stuck, he was in, and then. Um, anyways, I wanted to see Warlock, and there was no sign of him anywhere. So that's the one thing I was disappointed in. Yeah, and maybe they're leaving it open to kind of like the Infinity Watch movies afterwards. I, I know for me on my end, it was – and Jason, I don't know if you have anything to add here, if, if there was something you wanted to see. But on my end, I was really, really hoping, because this was back when Disney was like kind of getting Fox and getting the rights to the X-Men – and I was like, in, in Logan, the Logan movie where Professor X and Wolverine went out, and that was the last time they're ever going to be in a movie. And I, they did such a great job. By the way, I cried in that fucking movie too. So <laughs> I was kind of hoping that we would see at the very end of Endgame when Doctor Strange opens up the portals and everybody starts coming out. I was like, please tell me we're going to see Wolverine as Hugh Jackman one more. You know what I mean? Like see him in Professor X and like kind of some of this crossover stuff that we may not ever see again. And I thought, come on, Disney, Marvel, just make it fucking happen. Pay them whatever they want. Like you kind of owe it to us. That was kind of the one thing I wanted to see. But as we all know, that kind of didn't happen. Um, that would have been, been cool though. Yeah, yeah it would have. That would have been great. Yeah. What about J- Jason? You cold-hearted bastard. What uh? What do you want to see that that I, didn't happen? I don't have much to add. Like when I watch the movies, like I appreciate them and they're great in entertainment. But I wasn't like a fanboy growing up or anything. Like the only thing I was into was like soccer, and that was it. I wasn't into music or anything until I got older. So um, I don't have anything to to really add great to the conversation other than I enjoyed the movies. But that's you know that's about it. No, it's it's a good, fun way to end the show. John, we really appreciate you having uh, having the time to come on and making the time for all of us and listeners. I'd love to have you on again, by the way, in the future. Um, is there anything you'd like to shout out to anybody or say to anybody before we go off the air? No, just um, go to my YouTube. It's Mountain Dog One. Um, subscribe. Check out. I've been busting my butt making videos, over a thousand videos now. And then um, I'm, I'm always looking for support for myself me there we just launched a protein powder that's doing really really well i'm super happy with it it's a blend um that's pretty much it john yeah man i'm, I'm gonna have all your stuff your website your youtube your instagram everything that guys it's in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast now you should be able to just click on details and you can have links out out to john and all of his stuff um so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for myself jason and our guest john we're out of here thanks guys see ya